Our Bible reading is taken from Psalm 24, and you can find that on page 555, 555 in the Church Bibles. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas, and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Well, thank you for that, and thank you, Alex, for putting that very old hymn in. Uh, it's, it's actually one of my favorites, I'll be honest, uh, and it kind of beautifully fitted with Blessed of the Pure in Heart, didn't it? So thank you for that, mate. That's much appreciated. And uh, that's where we are this morning, and uh, when I come across this, um, I think we need to pray before we get into it, don't we? Let's pray, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Father, teach us your word. Teach us to be obedient to your word. Teach us to listen to what you have to say and help us to follow it and do what you've told us to do. Help us to be your obedient children, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when you read that phrase, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, or who can enter into his presence, who can stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, Psalm 24, verse 4. I want to say, not for me, because I'm ruled out on both counts. Clean hands, pure heart. So I need to look at this and see what is it actually saying to me. Uh, unless you have totally sort of acquired the skill of having clean hands all the time and being pure in heart all the time, uh, then you need to listen to what this, this beatitude has to say. We're in Matthew 5, aren't we? Jesus is teaching his chosen disciples about the kingdom, what the kingdom is, and how to live in it. And we've looked at a series of these countercultural statements where Jesus is, as it were, painting a, a portrait of what it means to live in this kingdom that he set up in the previous chapters of Matthew. We've seen how God wants us to be poor in spirit, who realize that their true state before a holy God um, causes us to mourn for our sin and 
Therefore, to approach God meekly, not full of ourselves, who long for righteousness in a crooked world and so on. He, he's painting a very starkly different countercultural pictures. And, and we are, of course, those people who are to show mercy. And now, we are to be pure in heart. And we haven't realized yet that God's ways and his values are very different to the world we live in then it's certainly going to hit us this morning. Purity is not an in-word. It's often used these days in a sexual context, sexual purity. Uh, and if not always sexual, it's one of those times where you think, oh boy, um, I've done something, I hope Jesus doesn't know about it. Oh boy, if he was here, I couldn't see him face to face because I've done this. Uh, and there's that kind of guilt feeling, that impure feeling. We know instinctively, don't we? that we are lacking in purity. We know that our sin puts us there. It prevents us from opening, uh, opening ourselves up to God because we think, oh boy, I've done that. How can I possibly approach a God who is so holy and so pure? Now, we're not the first people to feel that, I have to tell you. Uh, go back through the scriptures and you'll find it everywhere. Isaiah, when confronted with a revelation of God's glory in the temple. What did he say? Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Faced with that King of glory, woe is me. I, I can't approach him. There's, there's too much, almost too much holiness. I can't, how can I get there? My hands are not clean. My heart is not pure. So how can I approach God? And Peter, of course, had a similar experience after a miraculous catch of fish. Remember, that was his profession. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Go away. I can't, I can't stand in your holiness, in your presence. And when sinful people like me are confronted by the presence of God, they become painfully aware of his blinding holiness. A bit of background to help us to begin to understand what this is about. The word pure here in Matthew 5 is the same word as a first century Jew would use, the word clean. So a Jew would have heard this, blessed are the clean in heart. That's how he or she would have understood it. And, and of course, clean has a massive meaning for the Jews who lived their lives under these clean, unclean regulations. They had so many things, mostly established in Leviticus. If you want to go, Leviticus 12 to 15 is kind of a good place to go for these. Touching dead animals, contracting various diseases, and many other situations um, that they got into, they, they, they were ritually unclean. Didn't mean they, they, they smelt or they were horrible and they needed a bath. It simply meant they were, before God, unclean. Who can approach God? Well, those people can't. And those who were ritually unclean were not allowed to worship in the temple. That's why Psalm 24 is there. Who can ascend the hill and go into the place where God dwells? Somebody who is ritually unclean could not do that. And uh, the way they got around this was that they had these baths just outside. If you go to Jerusalem, as I shall be in about a year's time, if you want to join me, you're very welcome. Um, we shall be going to Jerusalem, and outside Jerusalem, on the south side of the temple, there are the mikvah, M-I-K-V-E-H. 
their baths and their ritual cleansing baths. And a Jew would go as he went up to the temple, or she was going up to the temple. A woman would do it after childbirth. Uh, there were so many different situations. And you just dipped yourself in that bath, and you said, right, I'm clean. So now I can go up to the temple and worship. And that lasted, and that was there in the time of Jesus. That was around. So in Jesus' day, the Jews would have believed that any uncleanness or impurity could be dealt with by a ritual bath in a mikvah. That's how it was. But Jesus is teaching something very different. He said it's not about a ritual in a bath. It is about the heart. The kingdom of God he's taught elsewhere is within you. It's about what it is going on inside you. Your attitude to God the way that you handle your relationship with God. It's, it's not about you know, the fact that you can dunk yourself in a bath and come out and think, okay, I'm fine now. You see, we can stand at a distance and, and we can look at that stuff and we can say, how ridiculous. How crazy is that? You know, all you need to do to get clean is dip yourself in a bit of water. But you see, I think it's awfully possible for us to run into similar kind of territory. As long as we do what we've always done, we turn up to church, we occasionally look at inflation in our giving and top it up a bit. Maybe we do things that, you know, we've, we've, we've done God a favor by turning up here today. My goodness, we have. And that kind of attitude is exactly what Jesus is going at here. He's actually saying, if that's what your Christianity is about then that is not what mine is about. Jesus actually says, doesn't he, later in that chapter, in chapter 5, verse 20, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So our righteousness before the holy God is something that is different to simple observance. And if we get into thinking that all that matters is my observance of Christianity, then we've lost the plot. It's not about that. Jesus is constantly going on about the kingdom of God is about what's going on in your heart. The heart is the center of your being. In, in biblical terms. That's what it is. It's not just an organ that pumps blood. It, it's the very center of who you are. And if that is wrong before God, then you've got to do something about it. So the right attitude towards God and his holiness is what Jesus is after here. You see, I wonder, and somebody will put me straight on this afterwards, I'm sure, if I've got this wrong. Uh, I think we've got a bit too chatty with God. Hi, God. I'm your friend. I've come to see you. Great. Now, Jesus is our friend. There's no doubting that. I could give you examples, and I'm sure many of you could, that Jesus has stood by you through situations, through health issues, through family issues, and Jesus is right there. But can you imagine, when I stood at Wimbledon, this always comes up when I'm doing this stuff. When I stood at Wimbledon and the Queen walked past me, she was about that far away from me. She walked down. 
And uh, if she had stopped, I was instructed how I was to, to deal with that. And uh, if she spoke to me, and then I spoke to her, otherwise you just stand there like that, looking straight ahead. And if she had spoken to me, and I'd have said, hi, Queenie, babe, how are you doing? You know? You just wouldn't, would you? You just wouldn't. Say, yes, your majesty. Ma'am, rises as spam. That's what they told me to say. You always say ma'am, not mom. And, and I would have treated her with the right respect. And I think, friends, that somehow we've lost that awesomeness of God. And you see, the psalmist had it right because he said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world. He establishes there the, the magnificence, the sovereignty of God, right at the beginning of his psalm. The earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world, all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas. This is the God who spoke creation into being. And therefore, we don't just treat him like our buddy. Yes, he's our friend. But he's a friend who is awesome and powerful. And apparently, we've got problems in approaching him. Now, Jesus emphasizes this heart attitude. Uh, do study it if you've got a minute. I, I had a go at it yesterday. I, I did a few things on it. But let me just tell you one or two. The right attitude of heart. And, and if we just treat issues of life with a kind of legality, we've, we've got it wrong. In 521.22, the legal position is that murder is wrong. Well, clearly that is true. If you've done it, then you need to confess it and get it sorted. But Jesus says... If your heart is angry, you will be judged. And at that point, it hits me. As far as I'm aware, I've not done a murder. But have I ever been angry? Yep. And I guess most of us have. And therefore, it's about the heart. It's about what's going on inside here. The legal position in 527 is that adultery is wrong. Most of us would adhere to that view. Jesus says, if you lust after another human being, you've committed adultery. Not sure I'm prepared to admit that I've done that. But if you're honest, probably most of us have at some point or other. In 6.1, the right thing to do that has, has to be seen by others. You know, when we do the right thing, it has to be seen. And in 6.1, Jesus says, no, don't crow about them and expect everybody to say you're wonderful when you've done something wonderful for another human being. Just do it. And you see what he's doing in all these situations. Keep it going through the Sermon on the Mount. And then look at the other four discourses of Jesus through Matthew's Gospel. And you'll see it over and over again, where Jesus says, what's going on in here is what I'm after. I'm after a change of heart. Now, you may be sat there saying, I don't know, I, I can't get there on this. I, I, I'm, I'm so inadequate when, when you realize who you are. Well, to realize that, we are indeed being poor in spirit. We are probably mourning for our sin and what we've done. And as I say, Psalm 24 starts from this place. Who may ascend to this God who is the awesome God of creation, who sustains the world he made? Who can approach such awesome holiness? Now, stop and think. If he's saying who can, somebody can. Who can approach 
this God? Well, somebody can. And who can? Somebody who's been cleansed, whose heart is pure. Verse 5 of the psalm says, he will receive blessing from the Lord. He will receive vindication. That means the sin will be forgiven and sorted. And most of us know that, yes, in the Old Testament, there were lots of offerings and sacrifices which the Jews went through in order to get that sense of cleansing, of, of sin being dealt with. The wonderful answer that we know, and I hope we treasure above everything else, is that Jesus brings in the new covenant between God and his people through, you know what, the finished work of Christ on the cross. We can know cleansing through the shedding of the blood. That makes it possible for the horrible inward scar of sin to be washed away. And not just that, but the Beatitude says that we shall see God. Now, see is not just, I see George, I see Sue, I see Simon. See is understand. I shall begin, if that cleansing has taken place in my heart, if I've come before a holy God, and and I've said, Lord, I've, I've wrecked it. If we come in repentance... As one commentator wrote, I love this statement, he says, that begins to clear the mist a bit, and we begin to see God. We begin to get it, because we've dealt with the problem that keeps us from seeing it. Do you get it? It's wonderful. In the Old Testament, the days of the Old Testament, only the high priest could enter the holy place of the temple. But that covering curtain was torn from top to bottom. The Bible says it specifically. What does that say? It says God did it. God says you can now see God. And when did that happen? It happened at the time when Jesus died on the cross. God is now open. There's a wonderful set of verses in Hebrews. I've got to read this to you because it's just brilliant. Hang in there. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places. Remember, this is Hebrews. Temple people. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with what? Pure water. Through the finished work of Christ, I can approach a holy God. Because God, in his grace, has given me clean hands, and a pure heart. Nothing that I deserve, not that I can say, hey God, look at me, but simply through that wonderful, wonderful, finished work of Christ. Apply it to yourself, my friends. You know what causes you to stumble. You know the anger that can creep up, the jealousy that can creep up, the 
the lust, the pride. Uh, We've all got it. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up and tell me, because that would be terrible, because I'm not going to tell you mine, but I know what they are. I know what can trip me up. I know what can get me. And I try day by day, with God's help, through the power of his spirit, to deal with those sin, that sin in my life that I know trips me up. But the gloriously wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus is that can you approach the hill of the Lord? Yes, you can. Through the finished work of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, we can know that. And that's what it means to be a kingdom person. That's what it's like. But one slight qualification to finish. We can only apparently see God partially. Paul says, you know, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know in full. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. There will be times when seeing God understanding God, relating to God, will will prove difficult for you. I've had plenty of people, we had a a little session on Friday with some of the sages talking about our doubts. When those doubts surface, and we started talking and sharing together about them and what the Bible says about them, it was a precious time on Friday morning. And and those things can sometimes cloud. Uh, They can become a mist. And we say, well, God, what are you playing at? What's this about, God? What do you think you're doing? And the right question in those times is to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to say to me? And if we come, even in those days of trial, of persecution, of difficulty, of pressure, if we come to God and say, please, in repentance I come to you, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But God is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Got it? Cleanse. Clean. He will do it. And that means you can have that open relationship. Yes, somewhat, sometimes it will feel a bit misty. But one day we shall see him face to face. That's kind of exciting. I hope you get tingly about that just now and again. You know, the idea that, yes, sometimes seeing God is is tricky. It's not quite working as we'd like it to work. But one day, one day, one day, one day, it will be face to face. Blessed are those whose hearts have been cleaned. Because those people will see God. They will see him. They will begin, bit by bit, to understand. And and I love the old, I think it's a Puritan line, isn't it? Um, Keep short accounts with God in sin. So maybe a daily discipline. If I'm suggesting the wrong thing, Simon or George or somebody will put me straight on it, I'm sure. But it ain't a bad idea to say every morning, say, Lord, help me to keep from sinning in any way that's going to offend you. Help me to do things. Now, this, I've got to get this right. The dear old brethren used to say this to me. Lord, help me not to do anything of which you would be ashamed. That's it. 
Help me not to do anything of which you would be ashamed. Just day by day. And such people, the Bible is teaching us here, will know what it means to be clean. And you can go up the hill. And you can dwell in his holy place. And you can see him. And begin day by day to understand him a little bit more. Until one day, face to face, in the glory of heaven. Aren't Beatitudes exciting? Hey, Aren't they just wonderful? Let's try and understand what they mean and apply them tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and ask God to clean our hearts that we may approach him to understand him a little better. Shall we bow our heads and pray? Let's pray. Father, thank you that the earth truly is the Lord's, that you are a sovereign God. You made the lot, and you put us in it. And you said to us, you can approach. You can speak and commune with this awesome holiness that God is in person. But only through the precious blood of Christ. So, lift up your heads, sea gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Lord, I pray that for each of us, we may know what it truly means that we will meet the King of glory. And through the wonderful gospel, we can meet him now, day by day, because he is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is our King. Help us to honor him, to worship him, to serve him, and to know that only he can give us clean hands and a pure heart that we may see God. Amen.